Well, good morning. So glad to have you here. Those of you who are here in person and those of you who are watching online, as well as if it's your first time here, we want you to know that you are welcome here. Uh, or if you're coming back after uh, being out a little bit um, from all the things that we've been through this last year, we want you to know that you are welcome back in person as well. And those of you who are here from out of town, like our beloved friends of Via Lobos, we are glad to have you guys here with us today. Um, yeah. Um, it, it is an honor to be able to be here. Uh, last week, Tiffany and I were able to get away and celebrate our anniversary, but uh, just knowing what a special community uh, this is, and thank you, Stephen, for doing such a great job with the message last week, and thank you, Billy and Angie, Josh's parents, uh, who helped lead us in worship today. If you've ever wondered, I wonder how Josh got to be so awesome, now you can see why. It's obvious right there. Years and years of work on their behalf. Uh, we're going to jump back into this, this message today on the, the fruit of the Spirit. And um, hopefully this is continuing to challenge us to live as we seek after God, that He's producing fruit in our lives that gives evidence to who God is to our world. Well, as many of you know, uh, we have a son named Nate uh, who is blind. And because he is blind, many things, including many of you, he identifies by their sound. And uh, he's really amazing at being able to identify things by their sound. But because of the way things sound, he is able to recognize what many things or many people are. So I'm going to ask all of you to join Nate today with a little bit of sound recognition. So just to get warmed up for today's message, we're going to play a quick few rounds of Name That Critter, all right? So here we go. Here's, here's our first, uh, we're going to play a sound for you. We got multiple choice, so we don't rack your brains too hard. You guess what animal this is, all right? Let's see the first slide there, Lorena. Is that a cat, a squirrel, a rat? or an Australian magpie? How many of you think cat? How many of you think squirrel? How many of you think rat? Nasty rats. How many of you think a magpie? All right, let's see the answer. That is a squirrel. Give yourselves a round of applause. Let's go on to the next round. All right. Just go ahead and yell out your answer. One, two, three. All right. The answer is a frog. All right. We'll do one more here. Round, round three. Let's play it one more time, Lorena. I think you got to peek at the answer. What's the answer? That is a goat. All right. So why do I bring this up? Is it because students meet next week at 6 o'clock? They do meet at 6 o'clock, but that's not why we bring this up. We bring this up today because Paul says, as he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that there should be a recognizable characteristic, a sound that identifies our species. That if I am a believer in Christ, there should be some characteristics 
that identify that I follow him. In other words, Paul says, this is what a life that follows God should sound like. This should simply be the byproduct. Not that we, we try to be kind, not that we're trying to be good, but simply by loving God, these are the things that are produced in our lives. He says this, Galatians 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, that should be the sound that our life produces. That people should be able to look at us and go, I know what kind of species that is. That is a person who follows Christ. And it should be a sound that echoes through our neighborhoods, that echoes through our workplaces. Everywhere we go, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control is the sound that comes forth from our lives. Unfortunately, though, many times our lives sound more like a frog. We're supposed to be followers of Christ, but all the world hears as when really they should be hearing the Spirit in our lives. This week we're going to focus on goodness. Each week we're focusing on one of these characteristics. This week we're focusing on goodness. And really, goodness is kind of abstract. Everybody wants goodness. And for the most part, a lot of people think that they're a good person. Really, either you probably fall into one or two categories, generally speaking. Either people think that they're a good person or they're a person who never thinks that they could be good enough. And they tend to fall in one side or the other. However, I want us to look at this in a new way. Jesus is our standard of goodness. And that sets the bar really high, doesn't it? If our goodness is based on who Christ is, it sets the bar really high. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says this, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You see, as we look at Jesus' life, he wasn't just a vaguely nice guy who went around doing nice things. Jesus was intentionally good. He was revolutionary good in all that he did. He was magnetic because of the goodness that flowed out of his life, so much so that it got him killed. So today we want to look at three biblical aspects of goodness that we see in Jesus that we want to explore today. And those three are integrity, interior goodness, Charity, our exterior goodness, and clarity, understanding God's goodness at work in our lives. And this is so important, as we've said through this whole series, because we live in a world that is starved to see something real. They don't want to know just that you go to church. They don't want to know just that you're a nice person or that you'd be willing to give them a meal in time of need. People want to see genuine love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, godly goodness coming out of your life. So the first aspect of goodness is 
integrity. Goodness of God within us. In Jerusalem, still today, there are many places where you can see old ruins of huge tombs. We've got a picture of one of those tombs here. This tomb is over 2,000 years old, which this blew my mind when I thought about it. That means that it was there when Jesus was there, that Jesus himself may have walked past this very tomb. Now, some tombs were elaborate in a mountainside like this. Some tombs were on the ground and a little less elaborate, but often they would be painted white. And the reason was because they wanted them to be noticed. If they were on the ground, it's so you wouldn't step on them. But if they were an elaborate one on the mountainside like this, it's because they wanted everybody to see this elaborate tomb. They wanted it to be noticed. Matthew 23, verses 27 through 29. What sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, Jesus says, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones in all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness." Those are some harsh words from Jesus. He's speaking to the Pharisees, to the teachers of law, and these are people who considered themselves the standard for goodness. They thought that their lives were the measure of goodness that everybody else should be measured by, but yet Jesus says, you've got it completely wrong. You're living trying to display your righteousness and goodness, and Jesus says, you look great on the outside. But Jesus says, on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You're impure. He says, you put a lot of effort and work into making everybody think that you look good. But there are areas in your life that nobody else sees that Jesus knows about. This is the interior goodness, integrity. When nobody else is looking, what nobody else sees, what nobody else can hear, goodness on the inside. I'm a softie for stories like this one. Let's check out this next video. The Minnesota the manager of Dairy Queen showed how sweet he really is. What he gave a visually impaired customer went far beyond ice cream. As Jan Crawford shows us, he served some much-needed justice. Hopkins Main Street Dairy Queen. Joey Prusak was behind the counter during the lunchtime rush when a visually impaired customer dropped a $20 bill. Before Prusak could say anything, another customer stepped in. Thinking she would return the cash, he remained quiet. Lady behind him picked it up so quickly that I figured, oh, she's just going to hand it right back to him when she went and put it in her purse. Stunned, Prusak asked her to give the money back. She declined. She goes, it's my money. And I go, all right, I'm going to ask you to leave the store politely right now. And then she made a big scene, started swearing, um, and then she stormed out. With the money gone, Prusak did his best to right the wrong. He took $20 out of his own pocket, two hours of pay, and walked over to the man. I told him, um, you dropped $20, I would like to 
give you $20 on behalf of myself and Dairy Queen. A customer who observed the interaction was impressed and sent a letter to Dairy Queen's corporate offices. I was in shock by the generosity that your employee had, the customer wrote. I would proudly like to say that Joey has forever sealed my fate as a lifelong customer. In a statement, Dairy Queen commended Joey, saying, We applaud his integrity, kindness, and compassion. He is an inspiration to us all. He even heard from Warren Buffett, whose company owns the ice cream chain. Buffett called to thank the team for being a role model. But for Prusak, it's still business as usual, even as loyal customers stop in to hand over $20 tips for their $2 combs. Keep that. Thank Go you to very college much. On it. I think what I did was so extremely nice when all I was doing was really the right thing to do. When nobody else sees, just doing the right thing to do. When nobody else sees what we're thinking, when nobody else sees what we're doing, interior goodness is integrity, doing the right thing. The dictionary defines integrity as this, the state of being whole, undivided, Integrity comes from the same word that we get the word integer, a whole number. When we have integrity, we are whole inside and outside. In other words, we are not disintegrating, coming apart and falling apart. Jesus says goodness begins on the inside of us and then comes out. Goodness starts within us, integrity, doing the right thing. And as that develops and grows, as the integrity within us, the goodness within us grows, then it should lead to charity, goodness on the outside. This is doing good for others. Jesus modeled this. He talks about it. It's all through the New Testament, doing good for others. Matthew 25 Verses 31 through 33. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in His presence and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep at His right hand and the goats at his left. The Bible uses a lot of agricultural terms that sometimes they just get lost in translation because it's not necessarily the world that many of us live in. And even in today's culture in America, if you are familiar with sheep and goats as far as agriculture, today uh, it would seem that's not too hard to separate. I mean, you all know what a sheep looks like because it's been bred uh, for wool production. We've got a picture of a, a sheep here. Cute little sheep. Everybody say, ah. All right. Then we've also got a picture of a goat. Very different, right? A sheep and a goat. We should be able to separate those pretty easy by identification. But in the Middle East, and especially back in Jesus's day, it might not have been so easy to separate them as they would have been looking a bit more similar. All right, we're going to have a pop quiz. Today, today is fun animal day for you. All right, so pop quiz. Number one, is this a sheep or a goat? This one. That is a sheep. If you guess sheep, you are correct. Let's look at the second one. Is this a sheep 
or a goat? That is a goat. All right. And the last one here. Sheep or goat? Those are dogs. I'm just kidding. Those, those really are sheep. But how do you tell them apart? Jesus' point in this passage was they look very similar. If you were just to look at them, you might go, is it a sheep or is it a goat? They look similar, but they behave very differently. You see, sheep by nature will follow a shepherd. They tend uh, to be followers. We've got a picture of sheep following shepherd here as well. Goats, on the other hand, well, goats like to do their own thing. They can be very strange. We lived in Albuquerque for several years, and up on the cliffs, goats would climb up there, which is amazing to me. I mean, they've got nothing but hooves. How did they get up there? I don't know. But goats do their own thing. They look very similar, but they behave differently. And Jesus is saying to us, not that our behavior earns us brownie points with God, but our behavior should identify the species. In other words, the way we behave, the goodness of our life should be the name that critter. It should identify who we are following. He continues in Matthew 25, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you and for the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you have done it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it unto me. And to the goats, he would turn and say, the opposite, because they never did those things. These are a group of people that he's referring to here as he's talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and other people who are following Christ, who all think that they're following God. Many of them think that they are good in our world today. You may see many people who claim to be believers, and they may look similar. They may sing some of the same songs. They may carry a Bible. They may be able to quote some of the same scriptures. But the, there's a behavior that is different. There are those who follow the shepherd, and then there are those who can sing the songs and quote the scriptures, but they just do their own thing. Jesus says, I will separate the sheep and the goats. He's not saying your good de deeds earn you a spot in heaven, but he is saying that your behavior should identify who you are following. So as we follow the shepherd, we serve those that Jesus serves. We love those that Jesus loves. In this new life 
following Christ. We're to be sheep, to follow after him, and it produces fruit in our lives because that is who we are. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not by good works, but we're created for good works. We're created to be have the goodness of God internally, our integrity, and we're also created to have the goodness of God in our charity, the good works that we do for others. And I love that this scripture says that you were created for those things before, beforehand, before the foundations of the world were laid, which means that God has good works for you this very day, that he is waiting for you to do. He's got good works for you tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that, prepared for you to be out of the goodness overflowing out of your life. So we're to do good work at work. It's not by an accident that you're placed at your job, wherever God has placed you, in whatever career field that may be, God has placed you there to do the good work of God. We're to do good work at home. It doesn't stop when we get home, but as we saw with these graduates today, when we do the good works of God, it passes from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. So we do good work at work, we do good work at home, and we're also supposed to do good work to all. Now, this one's a little bit tougher because Jesus also calls us to do good work to those who don't deserve the good work. Matthew 5, 43 through 45 says this, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven who makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. I pray that Rock Hills Church would be a church who genuinely and earnestly strives to have the goodness of God within us and to do the goodness of God to all those around us whether they deserve it or not, on the easy days and on the hard days. Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says this, So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At, the ju at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those of the family of faith. I'm convinced so many times we just stop too soon. And God is challenging us, keep doing good, keep doing good. And there will be days when you say, this is too hard. I can't do this anymore. My cup is empty. I don't have anything left. And he's reminding us, keep doing good. The fruit of the spirit continues to fill us. The goodness of God is within us and it overflows out of us. The last thing 
that we want to look at. We have the inward goodness of God, the outward goodness of God. And the third thing is clarity, understanding the goodness of God and receiving God's goodness from the inside out. Luke 6.45 says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows out of your heart. In other words, the very goodness of God as we understand Him more, as our roots grow deeper into Him, He produces the goodness within us as we understand His goodness. Philemon 1.6 says this, I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. My integrity grows and my charity grows in proportion to my clarity of God's goodness. A good life doesn't start by trying to be good. It starts simply by surrendering, saying, God, I'm yours. I want to give you some homework this week. I want you to take 10 minutes in a quiet place away from the TV and social media and everything else. I just want you to reflect on how God has been good to you. And start right there. And let the goodness of God grow within you. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we can't even begin to describe how good that you have been to us. And Lord, I pray that that goodness will be the starting place, that we might walk in integrity, that we might walk in charity, that we might have the clarity of your goodness. God, I pray for all of us this week that you would give us moments and opportunities to see just how wonderful your goodness is. God, I feel like a child who can only understand just an inkling of how much a parent loves them. God, we can only understand a drop of how good you are. But Lord, would you give us that drop this week? And we might taste your goodness and that we might let it transform us into the fruit that identifies us to everyone around us. That because you are good, we have been changed by your goodness. And Father, let those good deeds and good works shine everywhere that we go. First place to start is simply by surrender. Maybe you're here today And you need to begin just by surrendering your life to the ultimate good work that Christ gave us on the cross. That we could be forgiven, that we could be redeemed, that we could be set free from the things that keep destroying our lives. Would you take a moment and just in your own words, would you surrender all of your life to him? the parts that everybody sees and the parts that nobody sees.
Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. We thank you for the blood of Christ that has come to redeem us, change us from the inside out. Lord, make us new creations. We surrender all that we are to you. In Jesus' name, amen.